This is the first episode of our new show, The Bone Lab. This podcast was founded a few months ago when my friends and I decided to create an outlet where we can share the stories that we love with everybody else. We believe that bones have qualities that capture the imagination, whether fossilized, x-rayed, displayed in a museum, or just helping us move around. Bones have stories to tell. Welcome to the Bone Lab. Development in the womb is a pretty complex process. We all start off as a single cell, and nine months later, a baby is born. But what happens in between is an amazing series of events. How does a single cell become a living, breathing baby? Considering that somewhere along the way, we develop roughly 200 specialized types of cells. Cells that make our nerves, our muscles, our bones, and everything else. It's an extremely sensitive sequence of events. And what happens when things don't work as they should? There are so many opportunities for development to go wrong. If you think about it, it's scary. If you fertilize three eggs, odds are that just one of those will survive to term. That's how complicated this entire process is. That airway was so constricted that stopped breathing, uh, and so they had to do an emergency tracheotomy shortly after birth. So they thought I would more than likely die. This is Francis Smith. He has Treacher-Collins syndrome. Treacher-Collins syndrome is a genetic disorder uh, where the bones of the face and ears do not form. When Francis was growing in the womb, something happened to the cells that were building his face. These cells failed to develop. As you can imagine, this causes extensive defects in the bones that make up the face, ears, and jaw. Francis was born in the 70s. Prenatal tests at this time were not as sophisticated as they are today, so his doctors weren't prepared for the baby they were about to deliver. They didn't expect to see this face gasping for air, underdeveloped cheekbones, and smooth skin on the side of his head instead of ears. When the doctors examined Francis more closely, they found that his mouth and his nose weren't completely separated. There was a hole in the roof of his mouth, which made eating and breathing extremely difficult. This condition is known as cleft palate. But of all the complications he faced, the most extreme was his small jaw. His underdeveloped jaw had to be dealt with early as it posed problems for eating and breathing. I had a lot of trouble breathing because of my small airway and the no uh, chin and the very small jaws. I was in neonatal intensive care uh, for the first few months after birth. And they did not think I would survive, and if I did, I would not be uh, normal intellectually or otherwise. Mm. And there was top of institutionalizing me if I survived. No one knew what to expect. It was hard for anyone to imagine Francis growing up and leading a normal life. 
to understand what it was like for Francis to be born with an anatomical deformity like Treacher-Cullen syndrome, let's start at the beginning. Well, I was born to parents uh, who came over from Ireland, and I was apparently their first child, so I was a surprise to them. I have no idea of the family history because I was uh, immediately given up for adoption at birth and eventually adopted by an American family. And they had been adopting children most of their married lives, so by the time I came, they already had 10 kids. They learned how to feed me with NG tubes and take care of my tracheotomy. Francis is actually really lucky. Yes, he was born with this rare syndrome that affects one out of every 50,000 people, and his birth parents just gave him up after birth. But he was adopted by a family ready to provide care for a child with his particular needs. And this involved dozens of surgeries over a span of many years to reconstruct the anatomy that was missing from his face, ears, and jaw. They did multiple upper and lower jaw surgeries where they cut the jaw in several places. To construct a new, larger jaw, doctors needed more bony material to work with, so they borrowed parts of Francis's ribs. A couple of each side. It was mostly carpentry. As gruesome as it sounds, it was pretty much like carpentry. To expand Francis's small jaw, surgeons had to cut his jaw into multiple pieces and expand it by inserting lengths of his own ribs. And once this jigsaw puzzle of jawbone and ribs was finished, the whole assembly was fastened together with metal plates and screws. Thankfully, bone is one of the most regenerative tissues in the body, and it has a remarkable ability to integrate bony fragments into a single healed bone. In my day, and you know I'm 40 now, that was state-of-the-art when I was young. So this was long before there was distraction. Francis was born in the 70s, so this ribs-in-the-jaw procedure is outdated. If he was born today, his surgeons would use a technique called distraction. This is less like carpentry and more like tending a bonsai tree. Imagine braces, but for your bones. Surgeons today would implant metal rods into his jaw and millimeter by millimeter force the metal rods apart. As you can imagine, this stretches the bone, and over many months, this guides the body to build a longer and longer jawbone. On top of all these repairs to Francis's jaw, he also needed bone added to the bottom of his eye sockets to fill in those spaces. He had surgeries to fix his cleft palate, and he needed to build an entire outer ear. For one day when I need glasses to have something to rest on. You may be wondering the same thing we did. With all of these surgeries to his mouth and face, how did Francis eat? 
Well, I had uh, two feedings, at least until I was three. Often my mouth has to be wired shut because of the jaw surgeries, so my mother would blenderize my food into liquid, which I eat with a giant syringe through the wires. She did real well. Uh, she didn't mix it all together. Okay, so you got them individually. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so it tasted great. Eating is still a challenge because of the, the malocclusion and the small airway. So I eat a soft diet. Things like peas or... And macaroni and cheese is my favorite. Gourmet uh, mac and cheese I make at home. The primary goal for all of these surgeries was to make Francis's skull more functional so he could breathe and eat more naturally. But the surgeries did little to help him blend in with the crowd, and this was particularly difficult during his younger years. I was mainstream in the normal classroom uh, from kindergarten on. I had to deal with people who didn't think I could do things when I was young. I dealt with a lot of uh, attitudes from the schools, the teachers who thought I did not have the intellectual capacity for a normal classroom. And kids looked on the, the strange outward appearance of me, as kids will do at that age, and they will judge by looks. My schooling before high school was rough, and not only because of all the surgeries I had, but also worse because of the bullying and uh, mistreatment by classmates and some administrators and teachers who didn't see beyond the appearance. It nearly destroyed me emotionally and spiritually, and it's a miracle I survived that period. But once I got into high school, I found an atmosphere of acceptance that I hadn't had before. School was tough for Francis. Teachers took one look at him and assumed he had a learning disability. On top of that, some of his classmates were cruel just because he looks different. Despite the pushback, it's probably no surprise that Francis really wanted to learn about skulls. That's where I found my niche. So he went to college, he studied biology, and this is when he started doing research. His interests brought him to London, and he earned a master's degree there. And then he moved back to the United States when he was accepted into a Ph.D. program at University of California, San Francisco. I didn't know what to expect to have him in the lab, and it turned out to be like everybody else in the lab. You know, he had faced the same issues that we had and maybe a couple extra ones, you know. <laughs> That's his Ph.D. advisor, Dr. Ralph Marcuccio. To see him really grow and um, achieve his Ph.D. was really quite an amazing thing. It was kind of humbling, actually. I mean, the guy was just so positive in life that it was really amazing to see. It taught me humility, maybe. It's emotional to think that he's gone so far. It's around this time that we met Francis. Before he graduated, I would always see him carrying a violin case. 
my history with musicals way back to my early childhood when I started playing the piano and once my parents discovered my talent they got me the piano lessons right away. I've known for years that Francis is a musician but during our interview he revealed something new and amazing. He was born without ossicles, those tiny bones inside the ear, or ear canals. There is a solid wall of bone where the ear should be. So it's unexpected that he would have an ear for music. I think it still stumps a lot of people how I can hear music, but it's a miracle. And when I was in London, I found my green violin in a music shop uh, uh, in the middle of London. And I bought it and I taught myself to play violin. Francis spends a lot of his time on outreach, both within the Treacher Collins community and among scientists. In fact, as part of his new job, Francis is organizing a cruise for Treacher Collins patients and caregivers. I want to begin doing public relations and advocacy uh, for cranial facial awareness. I already do a lot of informal mentoring and role modeling in the cranial facial community as well as in the public. Super open about it and loves yep. to tell stories. He loves to tell stories. <laughs> I remember going to... Um, an anatomy meeting, we were out at, you know, like a bar hanging out with a bunch of people, and he was just going up and talking to people who were sitting at the table, just like introducing himself and just sitting down and talking to anybody who would listen to him. His Treacher Collins is what drives him in life, and it's really quite amazing to see. Francis is becoming a bit of an icon in the Treacher Collins community. Two years ago, a local news station contacted him for an interview. A family was touched by Francis's story, and they reached out to him. I had a green piano up in Calgary, too. I bought a piano and had it professionally refinished in a, a green stain. And when, when it came time to move, I, I gave the piano to the family of a, a toddler who has Treacher Collins Syndrome. Now, I want to bring us back to the beginning of the episode where we talked about the incredible odds against each of us as we develop from a fertilized egg into a functional adult human. These odds against Francis led to his unusually hard life, but through a lot of perseverance, he's managed to turn it into something extraordinary. I want to encourage people out there to keep trying and pursue your dreams despite whatever challenges we want to thank Francis for meeting with us while he made the long trek from Calgary to his new job in Denver, Colorado. We also want to thank him for recording a song on piano, which we used during this piece. And if you want to see for yourself what Francis's skull looks like, check out our website, bonelabradio.org. He's provided us with extremely detailed illustrations comparing his own anatomy to that of the average human skull. Oh, and if you want to learn how he got connections to Cher, yeah, the singer Cher, you should check out our blog. 
This episode was produced by our team, Jeannie Bailey, Dr. Jennifer Fish, Jenny Chi, and me, Kate Waranowitz. Our webmaster is Ralph St. Louis, and the rad artwork comes from Michelle Waranowitz. Thank you to Eric Petrus for letting us play some tracks off his album, Beams. If you want to learn more about his music and the other songs we used in this piece, you can find a track list on our blog. We also want to thank you for listening to episode one of The Bone Lab. Subscribe to our email list and you'll be the first to know when we release episode two next month. And of course, we can't forget our generous sponsor, the American Association of Anatomists.